When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, Incline listeners, looking to start your own podcast? Let me tell you about Anchor. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Now... You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can have it heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's happening, everyone? Thank you for listening to The Incline. We're recording on a Thursday afternoon, exactly one week till opening day. And today we're joined by Blake Harris of True Blue LA. What's up, Blake, and how's it going? How's it going, guys? Uh, happy to be here. I guess I should uh, turn my video on right now. Perfect. We're good to go. I didn't even realize on Zoom, but uh, I'm doing well. Uh, happy to be here. I've been tuning into your, your guys' podcast for the last few months with no Dodgers baseball, so happy to, uh, happy to be joining. Thanks, man. And I've been checking out your podcast as well. Um, what else do you have to, pro- to promote? I know you're a very busy guy out there. Yeah. So yeah, the, the podcast, it's been a while since I've recorded. I think the last episode I did was like a week before everything happened. So it's, it's been a while. I need to need to get back on that podcast grind. Uh, nothing really to promote, just uh true blue Uh, you know, it ain't, it, you know, it's, we ain't like you guys. We don't have a full team like you guys, but if you want other Dodger articles, you, you just can't get your, you can't get enough of a dose of daily articles, head on over to true and check us out. That's the only pitch I got. <laughs> nice. We also have Jake Reiner and David Rosenthal in the house. How you guys doing? Good, man. How you doing? Solid. Doing good. One week till opening day, so I can't complain. All right. So let's get this thing started. Summer camp has been going strong for a little over a week now, and it's not a Dodger player that's leading the headlines. It's Chico. So I'll start with Blake. What are your thoughts on this guy? Yeah, it's it's ironic because literally just before we started recording, I brought up Chico. I think what's going on with Chico is like fantastic. It's easily probably, you know, the best storyline out of just all summer camps across baseball just because it's a feel-good story. But uh, as I was saying, there's so many other storylines to be following with the Dodgers that are like how players are performing with the bat on the mound and everything. It seems like Chico's been taking all the attention away from that where, you know, you got guys like Hulu Urias who is finally healthy but it seems like you haven't been hearing how he's doing. I mean, we have, you know, Mookie Betts in the starting lineup, but I couldn't even tell you what his average is, how he's been hitting yeah. in, you know, summer camp because it's all in Chico. Again, for good, for good reason, because this is a feel-good story. Props to Chico, who's been with the organization, I think, like the second or third longest behind, like, Kershaw and Kenley, I think. So, again, I, I love that. But for being the biggest storyline at a summer camp, I mean, I, there's some other guys I'd like to pay attention to, but I'm, I'm not complaining because, like I said, it, it's made me happy over the last week. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's it's fun to watch for sure. Uh, and clearly this dude can play. Uh, apparently they, yeah. he, had a, he had a tryout with them, uh, you know, a few years back or something and, and didn't quite make the cut. But, um, you know, it's been definitely entertaining to watch, but I agree I'm with a week to go, I'm more more focused on – 
the Dodgers players themselves uh, right now. But I mean, you can't you can't deny the dude's got an arm. Yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna say um, <clears throat> this may be uh, <laughs> an unpopular opinion, but is Chico that good? Like, <laughs> I mean, he's got a great arm, no doubt about it. He he threw out uh, Chris Taylor at second base and. That was pretty cool. So we know he can throw the ball, but his route efficiency, I, we don't have the stat cast data <laughs> no. on it, but it does not look like he's taken a real efficient route to the ball. Um, but no, it, it's been fun. And what I like most about it is that uh, Justin Turner is, is kind of uh, promoting him and uh, they've, they've been able to put out t-shirts and, you know, donate money to the Justin Turner foundation. And that's all been fun and good. And, and while, you know, we're kind of cooped up in our houses. We're getting to watch Dodger baseball. And this is one storyline that you just are like, oh, is Chico going to play? And then there's some weird thing going on where Ross Stripling's kind of like, I want Chico in left field. And like, is he going to hit? And so, yeah, I mean, it's been fun. It's been, it's been really fun to, to watch him. Let play. me interrupt you there because we actually do have a question on Twitter from G Dean at D no one to you. Does anyone here think Dave is going to let Chico hit? No, no, absolutely not. And yeah, go ahead, Blake. I, I was gonna, at this point he can't because I think like their exhibitions are coming up. At one point, it's just with everything going on, I would have given him one at bat. Bring him in. Like I, I get it's summer camp for these guys and everything's so crucial, but I think one at bat. I, I think just for the fun of it, it, it wouldn't have done anyone any harm. And plus, if he, if he somehow would have made contact or like drawn a walk. Then the legend would have grew, but yeah, I, I think one at bat, one at bat would have been would have been okay with me. For uh-huh. for Chico's sake, I agree with you, but for the pitcher's sake, that's just yeah. the ultimate lose lose situation. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, you that... strike him out, then it's like, okay, you did your job, and if you, God forbid, give up a hit or a walk, then it's like, bro, you can't even get Chico out. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, so- that's that's one of the things Dave Roberts was talking about. It's like, he didn't, he didn't want to embarrass his pitcher. He didn't want to embarrass Chico and Chico's kind of been saying the same thing too. And I've, and I've sort of thought about it and I kind of liken it to uh, when I was a little kid and I would go on the, the movie sets with my dad and I would ask him, you know, could I yell action? Could I yell cut? And he'd be like, no, you can't do that because then the, the actors kind of feel like it's a little cheap and, it, it, you know, there needs to be one director in the house. So it's sort of, sort of that kind of, uh, you know, what, what, what Dave Roberts is trying to do. So I get it, but I would like to see at least one, one at bat. I think that's fine. All right. So breaking tea is actually promoting a Chico shirt and it's going to a good cause. So we're going to attach the link with the podcast after we put it out. So check that shirt out. It's pretty nice. And before we get started, we're going to break down the Dodgers pitching and offense, but we had some news recently with who's coming to summer camp. And at this point, it's good news because everyone except for Kybert Ruiz has now reported to Dodgers summer camp. So that includes AJ Pollock, Gavin Lux, Tony Gonsolin, Pedro Baez, Kenley Jansen, et cetera. So only David Price is going to opt out in the 2020 season. Are you guys thrilled to get all that news? Yeah. I mean, I, I was pumped. I mean, uh, I, I my going into it, my guess was going to be there's probably going to be one player maybe that opts out, and I was bummed that it was David Price because I was actually really high on him. I was expecting a big year for him in a condensed season, but it's great having everyone back. I know people were kind of like joking about Pollock. Maybe it's actually for the best Pollock doesn't return, but I mean people forget like in the second half how good Pollock was. So I was actually kind of worried that he wouldn't come back. So I'm glad glad he's there. Pedro Baez, glad he's back, and yeah, for the most part. With the exception of David Price, everyone seems healthy. Everyone's good to go. I mean, there's no kind of, you know, injuries going on. It seems like a few other teams have, like, guys that are still, you know, hurt. But the Dodgers, everyone's fully healthy. So I'm pumped that we, uh, we made it through fully healthy. I do uh, like the fact that, that A.J. Pollock is going to be there, even though I, I'm sort of, you know, I don't really know how I feel about him yet. He hasn't really had, you know, a, a full season under his belt as a Dodger to really assess him. But we need him to be good because this lineup is very left-handed heavy. And even off the bench, there's a lot of lefties um, that we have. So I feel like if, if, um, if he has a decent season, it's, it's going to be good for us. But I, 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 I really hope that he can, that he can put it together. Um, unfortunately, he hasn't had the length of time that the other players have had. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he gets himself ready uh, for opening day. Yeah, I was I was surprised, frankly, that Pollock did did report. Uh, I thought he was going to for sure opt out. Uh, but again, it's just another weapon the Dodgers have that he, 
there's going to be, you know, they don't need a lot from him. So even if, you know, it takes him, you know, a couple weeks to get going once season starts, that's totally fine. Cause that this roster is loaded, especially with the expanded rosters to start the year. Uh, they don't need a lot from Pollock, uh, but it, I think it, it can be a huge addition for the Dodgers for sure. All right. So the rotation is set at this point. Leading off is Clayton Kershaw. No need to explain anything there, but he is going to face Johnny Cueto on opening day. So that'll be exciting. After that, this is kind of a question mark, and I want to get your guys' thoughts. The latest on Walker Buehler is he's not in shape whatsoever. And Dave Roberts has pretty much said he's good to go, like, two innings max. Uh, how do you guys feel about that, and do you expect a slow start from Buehler coming out of the gate? So I'll start with David on this one. Yeah, I was, I was a little surprised to hear that. Uh, you know, I guess he took some time off during the uh, whole, you know, hiatus. Uh, but if I'm, if you're asking me if I'm worried about him, the answer would be no. Uh, I mean, he'll be, he'll be good to go when it's, when it's time to go. Uh, I'm sure Roberts will, you know, ease him into it because that's just what Dave does. Uh, but in terms of long-term concerns, I, I don't have any. Yeah, the only real question mark for Bueller is, will he pitch the second game or will he pitch the fifth game? I mean, we don't, Roberts hasn't committed to a rotation yet. Mm-hmm. except for Kershaw. So that's, that's, the, that's the biggest question mark. But I'm with Dave on this one. Like, the, I, I, there's, if there's one pitcher I don't worry about, it's him. I mean, this guy is, is everything we need him to be. And I think Dave, said, Dave Roberts said that um, he was expecting Bueller to go maybe four innings for his first start. Yeah, I mean, you took you took the words out of my mouth. Bueller, he's a guy where I don't have to worry about. I mean, I'm sure, like, if, if his life depended on it, he could probably throw seven, eight, nine innings like today, if need be. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it was kind of tough, you know, in quarantine. I know some of these guys, they have really good setups where they can practice. I don't know what Bueller's was. Maybe he couldn't fully practice like the other guys, but I, I'm not too worried. I mean, even though it is a condensed season, like let's say in his first start, he does go only four innings. The Dodgers have plenty of depth behind him that can, you know, back him up. And by his next start, maybe he can go six. I I'm not too worried about it. Again, I, I think Bueller, he's just a different breed where he'll do everything he can to ensure that he can, you know, throw the maximum of innings that they can get out of him. So I, I was a bit of surprised to hear that news. But again, with Bueller, I'm not worried at all. I, I know he'll figure it out with Dave. All right. And rounding out the rest of the rotation, we just saw them the other night. We've actually seen two starts from them now. Alex Wood and Julio Urias, both looking pretty sharp, I must say. And then Ross Stripling, who's been really – showing off that changeup looks like he's gotten a lot better with that so what do you guys think in terms of the rest of rotation what are your expectations and we also had a question who would be the next in line if one of these starters are to go down well you know Um, i I think um i mean they haven't said stripling is is the fifth guy yet but i think it's pretty much assumed at this point they've given him you know a few starts now uh, he's looked pretty decent. He's given up some home runs. Um, but, you know, I think it's his job to lose, really. Uh, Urias and Wood have looked very good. They're for sure going to be penciled in there in the three and four slots. Uh, but the fifth starter, like we've said all along, is going to yeah. be who's ever pitching well. Uh, you know, Dustin May pitched pretty damn well the other day, I may add. Uh, I think he'll, he will uh, take that job probably a month into the season. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to, uh, you know, hold back anything this year. And if, if May is pitching pretty much like he did the other day, uh, it's it's the obvious choice. I'm excited about Urias. I really am. This is the first time we're going to get to see him in the starting rotation, hopefully for the whole time. Um, and David, you make the, made this point earlier about Roberts. He's really like his thing is to really ease guys in. And they've been easing this guy in for forever. Yeah. So it's time to let, you know, let him loose and see what he can do. I really actually like the way that uh, Kershaw was pitching as well, even though he gave up a bomb to Rios, like his curveball looked really tight. And uh, there was a, there was a strikeout pitch to Kike Hernandez where it was just beautiful. Um, one thing that I, I did notice um, the Joe and Oral had their podcast and they had Mark Pryor on, and he was sort of talking about Kershaw being a hundred percent healthy. And because he is healthy, he's got this sort of relaxed demeanor about him and there's no worry or care in the world. He's still got that competitiveness, but it's good to know that he's sort of relaxed and ready to, to lead this staff. 
Um, Alex Wood, like you guys touched on, looks good. Uh, it's just a matter of who's going to be the fifth starter. I agree with David. It's Ross Stripling's job to lose, and right behind him are May and Gonsolin. Yeah, I mean, kind of backing off what you were saying about Kershaw, where, I mean, it seems like this is the first time in a while where he's just going to be fully healthy. And I feel like a shortened season like this could actually benefit him, where, I mean, we might see, I mean, granted, every year, the last few years, Kershaw's still been any other, for any other pitcher, that's like a career year. I think we have a chance to see one of Kershaw's better seasons in the last like three or four years, three or four years this year. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Julio, I mean, I think we've all been excited for the last what, like six years, I think, since he was like called up when he was like 18 or 19. Uh, yeah, the, the trading rules are off. He's fully ready to go. And again, this is a guy where five or 10 teams, he could be the ace where he's on this team. He's like the third or fourth guy. So I'm really excited to see, you know, how he looks as a starter. Alex Wood, I, I was a bit kind of hesitant when – I like the signing, but how it seemed like he was immediately just, you know, penciled into that starting rotation. I kind of wanted to see it from him first because okay. last year, although he did have injuries, he looked really bad last year with the Reds. But he's he's looked good so far. I know he has allowed some runs, but I don't really worry about that because the Dodgers, you know, hitters are so good. And I, I thought he's looked really good. And one of his pitches that was like on Pitching Ninja yesterday – that was absolutely filthy. And Ross Stripling, again, I agree. I think it's his to lose. The you know selfish person inside me wants to see Dustin May in that starting rotation just because I want to see what I can, what he can do. But I think Ross Stripling, he's earned it. Um, and for being the number five guy, that's I mean what it's like a three eight three seven career ERA. Any team would take that from your fifth guy. So Ross Stripling, you know, for any other team. Angels. Except the angels, except the angels, they don't want a guy that could have been their number two, and potentially a guy like Jock who could have, you know, had thirty home runs for them. But hey, that's the angels for you. But I, I think Ross Stripling, you know, I, I think I'm fine with him. He's waited, you know, four years, whatever. He's kind of gotten screwed a few times. So I got him as the number five starter. But again, my heart wants to see Dustin Mayer-Gonsolin. But again, whoever's in that starting rotation, it you know, one through five Dodgers have I think the best one through one through five rotation in all of baseball. And I think once they get the radar gun going, I think we'll know a lot more about how, you know, how well these pitchers really are doing. Uh, I'd, I'd be interested to see the, you know, the fastball velocity on Alex Wood per se, what, what Kershaw's doing in, on, in terms of speed. Uh, so I think they'll, they'll put that up for the exhibition game. So we'll know, we'll know more then for sure. Moving on to the bullpen. And this is something I'm not able to say too often heading into a season, but this Dodgers bullpen is absolutely loaded they've given Dave Roberts a lot of options and I want to start with Kenley Jansen because he just made his summer camp debut a couple nights ago he was so sharp he was in pure like 2014 form he even looked it too he his hair was short that's the way he looked when he first came up he was so confident he didn't even want three outs in that inning he wanted four outs and he got through them in like eight pitches so I'm pretty excited to see what Jansen has to offer in 2020 I think he's gonna bounce back and Dodger fans are gonna stop harping on him so much after Jansen we got Blake Trinan who's made a few appearances as well That's as right. uh, Caleb Ferguson even Gratterall's made a few appearances out there and then Joe Kelly who always does well against the Dodgers for whatever reason so I want to get your guys's takeaways who's gonna be the eighth inning guy and who are you most high on in the Dodgers bullpen? And I'll start with Blake. Uh, this is perfect because the guy I'm most high on and who I'd like to see in the eighth is easily Blake Trinan. That's uh, right. I remember, I remember earlier in the offseason when I think the A's designated him for assignment, I, I was with one of my buddies at ASU and I was like, what are the A's doing? Like I get he had a down year last year, but just two years ago, this guy was like no questions asked, the best reliever in all of baseball. And I remember I, I did an article like on True Blue saying the Dodgers need to do whatever it takes to sign Blake Trinan because when he can figure it out, he has the potential to be like we saw an elite relief pitcher. And now you're forgetting this guy. Now, granted, again, last year was a really bad year for him, but just two years ago with Oakland, he was so good. And even the year prior when he came over at the trade deadline, he was dominant as well. So if the Dodgers can tap in, they don't necessarily have to get that like 0.7 ERA like that he had that was just absolutely insane with Oakland. But if they can work with him a bit, I think this is a guy where he can keep that ERA below three. He has nasty stuff. And if they can get, you know, a pretty good Blake Trident to set up Kenley Jensen, that, that's, I think, I'm trying to think, but I think that could be, you know, the best eighth, ninth punch in all of baseball, unless I'm just totally blanking on someone. But having those two guys healthy, 
that 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 excites me and it should scare a lot of baseball teams yeah thank you for bringing that up thank you for being a voice of reason on here uh <laughs> like you i i also wrote an article before the dodgers signed trying and basically pounding my fists on the table for them to sign him uh if he's close to what he was in in 2018 uh it's a no-brainer for him to be in the eighth and maybe even in the ninth um so this is a guy i've been high on for years i i was stoked when the dodgers signed him and i i you know we got glimpses of him uh the past couple days of you know him basically returning to form uh so it's going to be interesting for him to to see how this plays out with him um and also i just want to say can we just appreciate kenley jansen for a minute i mean this dude is a warrior like this dude has the has the heart issues he had uh, COVID-19, and he's back out there, like, days later, you know, getting four outs in five minutes. So this dude wants to win more than anyone on the team besides maybe Kershaw or, or, and uh, Turner. Uh, but Jansen deserves some credit just for being out there. Uh, and if he gets, you know, back to 2017 form pre-World Series, uh, it's basically game over. And, 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 to, and to harp on that, especially what happened to him in the playoffs and Robert's not using him in the final game. I mean, just to, to go from that to having COVID and then coming back to the team and looking like a stud. I mean, this, this dude wants to win. He loves baseball. He loves the Dodgers. You got to love it. And so I feel like as a fan base, we got to, you know, give him a little bit of breathing room if, you know, he may falter at the start of the season or whatever, but I, I, I love the way that this guy is committed to this team. And I love this bullpen, too, because if you think about it, you can mix and match. You've got a ton of guys that can come in in the eighth inning. You've got, you know, Joe Kelly, and you've got uh, Blake Trinan. You've got Grattle. All these guys can be setup guys. And it depends on who has the hot hand, the matchups, uh, and, and that's what Dave Roberts likes. That's what Andrew Friedman likes. He likes a lot, a ton of options, guys that can plug in here and there it'll be interesting to see i know nobody really likes you know talking about uh choleric but it'll be interesting to see how he does you know because he's a lefty specialist can he pitch to righties can he pitch to more than one batter so that's one thing i'm looking yeah. for as well it's funny you brought up choleric because i was about to chime in and shout out to alexander Ora too for asking such great questions but i actually think <laughs> victor gonzalez is a dark horse candidate to be a real impact in this bullpen he doesn't really have much major league experience but in spring training, I was watching him, and now in these summer camps, I really like his sinker ball. I think it's got some good movement. He's inducing some soft contact. And if Caleric isn't that guy, I actually think it's Gonzalez who's going to run away with that role, and hopefully he can get three outs. But yeah, the one thing fun- about yeah, the one thing about Gonzalez is that he was signed at the same time that Julio Urias was signed, mm-hmm. and so they've had obviously interesting you know paths to the majors. But Gonzalez in the minors has had more success uh, in in relief. So, but he can also start. So he's got. I mean, there's a ton of those guys in the bullpen that can start and do long relief, which is great as well. So, and he's looked really sharp on the mound so far in these intra squad games. Yeah, I'm glad you brought him up because I I remember thinking when when I saw him, I was like. I, I think this guy was pretty good. I mean, spring training seems like that was like a year or two ago. But I remember, yeah, he was he was pretty good in spring training. I remember they were talking like, okay, this guy should be on a big league roster. He's like not going to be able to fit anywhere. So, I mean, that's a guy you have depth. I mean, this, the scary thing is, you know, based on the starting rotation, you can have guys like Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin. Those guys could be coming out of the pen. Pedro Baez will still be taking half an hour to get through an inning. But, I mean, when Pedro Baez is good – you know, he, he can be elite, but another name that I just want to mention, you know, before the topics moved on is just the just curiosity and excitement of Bruce Dark Ratterall, just because he just seems like he has the stuff where he potentially can be like a closer, like full time in a year or two. Yeah. Um, and I remember in spring training, you know, it was just, he hits like 101 and everyone's getting all excited, but it's, you want to see his command because his stuff's there, but his command can be all over the place where again, Bruce Dark Ratterall, he has a chance if he can just fix his command, which again, I think the Dodgers, you know, pitching staff will work with him. He, he can be a guy where he might earn that eighth inning role where I don't know how many teams out there can, can say they have four or five guys that can get that job, which is a nice, 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 something nice to hear considering for years past, it's always the Dodgers bullpen is, you know, the weak link, the worst thing. Every time they go to the bullpen, you're saying, oh, who's it going to be this time? Now you're thinking, okay, like what does Dave Roberts do? Cause he has so many great options. Yep. Which is scary in itself. <laughs> All right. Let's talk some offense. And I just want to take a second to revere Mookie Betts. This guy is living up to everything that I dreamed of. 
He's hitting home runs. I just know as the season progresses, he's going to get better and get on base more. He's doing things with his teammates, pointing out little flaws, helping them. So Mookie Betts at the top. What a guy. Yeah, there was that clip of him. I believe it was with Ross Stripling. Like he, I guess Stripling was was showing his change up too early or whatever. And like he went up to him and kind of explained, you know, that he caught something. So yeah, it's, it's a good sign though, that he is as committed to this team as he appears to be given that he's a free agent next year. Yes. Then you got Max Muncy, who's back in the lineup, Justin Turner. This is the guy I want to talk about. Cody Bellinger. What is going on? I know he has the rationale reason that he, tailed off in the second half and he's blaming his swing but is he sure this just wasn't fatigue I don't know why he feels the need he's got to alter an MVP swing so I'll start with Jake on this one what are your thoughts on Bellinger doing you know, this I, just like we were talking about with Bueller you know slow you know I don't really I'm, I'm not really too worried about Bellinger to be honest yes he has he has he kind of looks a little lost up there at the plate in his intra-squad games but I saw him slap a single to left field the other day like you know it's it's still there and I don't know whether or not he needed to tweak anything like you were saying I, I found those comments to be odd as well that he would try and you know alter his swing but these guys are trying to alter every little thing all the time with all the data that's available to them. But for me personally, even though he hasn't really, you know, shown up that much in these intra-squad games, I don't, I don't put a lot of weight behind that. Yeah, one last thing. I believe Mitch White struck him out. And at this point, being struck out by Mitch White is not a good thing. <laughs> no offense to Mitchell out there. Uh, the floor is yours. Yeah, I, it's I summer camp for everyone. <laughs> yeah. I, it's kind of puzzling to me, you know, after the 2019 campaign he had. Um, but worst comes to worst, the tape is there. He knows how to go back to it. He can always go back to the old swing. Uh, you know, this, if they didn't have Mookie Betts and they didn't sign a uh, trade for him, I would be a little bit more concerned. Uh, but this lineup is ridiculous, and I'm not too concerned about any particular player at this point just because the whole team is so well-rounded that they can all pick each other up. Yeah, I remember one of one of the first inter squad games. I I noticed that immediately. I was like, "What is Bellinger doing with his yeah. swing? Like, it looks completely different." And then I think it was like the next day he had media availability, and they asked him, and he said that. I I just wanted because I went to Baseball Reference, just like I had I had to look this up, and I remember it wasn't too bad. But in his second half, like he did hit two sixty three, but his OPS was still nine seventeen, and it just seems like it was so bad because he was hitting like four hundred, like going into June or something. He was just such a great hitter. But I mean it. If you're if you're like never, if your guy is slumping with a 917 OPS, I think I'll be okay with yeah. that if that's his slump. And again, I get it that you know it's he had 336 in the first half, 263 in the second half. A lot of these guys to hit 320 over the course of a season, you know, you got to be just an absolute elite hitter. And you know, it's it, it's hard for a lot of these guys to do that consistently over the course of a season. That 320 average will be based off kind of one really good half, one okay half. So. Uh, if if he's changing his swing, I assume he might know what he's doing. I'm sure coaches have talked to him about it. But again, if by hitting, you know, a nine seventeen OPS with what seventeen homers in sixty eight games, you don't think that's good enough? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But then again, I mean, we're we're not professional baseball players. Yeah. They are so. But I, I did think it was interesting, especially since you know he just won an MVP. Yeah, Cody, if you're listening out there, don't get in your <laughs> own head. Everything you were no. doing was perfectly fine, and. <laughs> A guy that could hit 320, perfect transition. Corey Seager, the guy is looking like he's in the best shape of his life. He's locked in. And I told everyone out there, you'd regret trading him. And he is looking like he's going to prove him wrong. Thoughts on what Corey Seager is going to bring to the team in 2020? I mean, I, I'm so excited about this. Like, you know, I know, I know, Kevin, you love Corey Seager, but um, – <laughs> To have to have that guy back after what he's been through and the injuries and the Tommy John surgery and all that, for him to come out and Dave Roberts is talking about maybe like a you know an MVP caliber season, like that's that's awesome. That's you know that's comeback player 
of the year material. And, and to that point, Dave, uh, I listened to Joe and Oral's podcast. They had Dave on and he was saying that um, he envisions Seager hitting in the middle of this lineup. And he kind of committed to his top four in the starting lineup. So he had Betts, Muncy, Turner, and Bellinger. Uh, against a right-handed pitcher. So maybe Seager falls five or six, uh, but you got to kind of be careful because you don't want too many lefties in a row. Maybe you mix it up with Pollock in there. But to to have Seager in the middle of the order, mashing doubles, you know, coming up with guys on base and clearing the bases with with huge doubles and home runs, I'm all for it. Yeah, he looks good. Um, I'm tempering my expectations as I always do. Uh, with Seager. I'm a big fan, uh, but something always seems to happen. Uh, you know, I just hope he stays healthy, uh, just hit doubles. You know, the thing that intrigues me about Seager is he's like one of the, one of those first pitch swing dominant guys. Uh, and with, with this Dodgers lineup, there's going to be a ton of guys on base. I know I've, I've looked at the, um, you know, the average, his averages of when he swings at the first pitch. Exactly. Pitch the third. numbers say to do the it. The numbers, yeah, the numbers do agree, but in some situations, I just can't get on board with it. Uh, so th- that aspect of it worries me a little bit, but he sure looks good. He could hit it. He could hit 30 doubles in a 60 game season easy. Yeah, I wanted to look up because I just remember that he had an insane amount of doubles last year. So yeah, he had 44 doubles in 134 games, which is nuts like this guy is an absolute doubles machine and he always kind of has been he had what 40 in 2016 I mean Seager's the kind of guy where you've seen him be so good like his rookie season when he was rookie of the year was like I think third in MVP voting where he has a season last year where he hits like 270 OPS is just above 800 and it just seems like he's okay you know he's kind of on the downward trend where you'll take those numbers from your shortstop any day but now that he's now that he's fully healthy, uh, you know he started off really really strong in, in the summer camp. I'm excited to see because again, I think when fully healthy, this guy is a top three shortstop in the game of baseball, and he just seems to be forgotten about because it's been a while since we've seen that level. But again, a 60 game season, this could really benefit a guy like Seager. Yeah, the rest of the guys in the lineup, we got Jock Peterson, Edwin Rios, Will Smith, Gavin Lux. So I want to ask all of you, who's of those guys, who's really impressing you the most? I'll just say it first, Edwin Rios. Yeah. I mean, we knew, we knew this guy's like had probably the most power in the organization for the last few years, but seeing him like finally just get the chance to showcase it, which it's kind of a drag because on any other team, he'd have like that everyday DH spot locked up. I know Dave is going to, you know, do Dave things and have all these rotating things going around where Ed and Rios might not be playing every day. But when you got a bat like that and he's doing it off, I mean, what is he? I think he has three, three, or I can't remember if it's three or four homers already, you know, in the last week. But I mean, this guy, it, it, it's impressive. And he said he wants full time be a third baseman. So maybe if the Dodgers don't re-sign Justin Turner after this year, he moves into the full time third baseman role. That'll be interesting to see. But yeah, Ed and Rios, I mean, he's, he's caught my eye from the last week or so. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, for sure on the Rio's train right now. Uh, I think this DH is going to, don't listen, Kevin. I think this DH is going to benefit the Dodgers, uh, tremendously. Uh, but like Blake said, Roberts is going to do Roberts things. I don't think they'll have the same lineup card once out of the 60 games. I think they'll (laughs) be 60 different lineups. Um, but when you have that much depth, it's not the worst, not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, uh, Rios just watching his swing when he connects, it's just, I mean, I mean, it's one of the sweetest lefty swings, you know, up there with, with Ken Griffey Jr., if I could say that. I mean, it is, it is beautiful. Now, of course, when he misses, it's, you know, <laughs> bad the other way. <laughs> but honestly, I, I'm, I'm so happy about this because we saw, you know, a little bit of his power last year when he came up and he hit, he hit some bombs, I think, at Petco Park, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was like 460 to like the third deck or something. Yeah, it was like easy. effortless. Yeah, yeah, so easy. And he hit, he hit it off of Kershaw, lefty, so that's encouraging too. Not encouraging for Kershaw, but uh, encouraging for Edwin Rios, to say the least. Um, yeah, obviously a DH is going to help this team. This this team is built for a DH. Unfortunately, I am not a huge fan of the DH. I like, I like the pitcher hitting, but you know, if you're going to throw a DH in there, the Dodgers are are, are the best team suited for it. Yeah, the guy I wanted to actually highlight is Jock Peterson. I'm not going to lie. I thought he was going to come into summer camp out of shape just because he kind of has a little bit of a reputation of liking snacks, (laughs) but 
He's Don't proving me wrong. He is in great shape. The guy is jacked right now. He yeah. is showing <laughs> off the guns. He is hitting home runs. He even got a hit off a lefty. So I actually think in a jocks contract year, he's setting himself up nicely to get a nice payday. And I'm sure the Angels and Artie Moreno are just slapping themselves in the face. Yeah, I, I did want to bring that up just to mention it, the fact that Jock hit a home run off a lefty. So, I mean, if Jock can hit lefties, it's it's game over. I mean, it's game over. Because watching him hit against a lefty is probably how I would look if I was up there at the plate. It's just not a good sight. So, yeah, if Jock can consistently not even, like, hit well, just hit, like, 230 against lefties, and he'll probably find himself in, you know, not having to get platooned all the time. Yeah, I think Andrew Friedman – woke a giant when he tried to trade jock to the angels and then the angels were like nah we're good uh i don't think he took very kindly to that uh this dude looks jacked uh he's clearly looks dialed in at the plate uh and he's playing for he's in a contract here uh so he's going to be playing as best as as best as he can uh i think he's in for a big year as well i think he'll he'll split left field duties with pollock for the most part um, but we'll see how Pollock ends up. I think, you know, if Jock's hitting homers versus lefties, I don't see how you can bench him consistently. I'm just glad that we have Mookie Betts to lead off and not Jock Peterson. I did not yeah. like him as the leadoff yeah, hitter. Agreed. And I'm glad that we have enough players to play first base that we don't have to have him there. So I, <laughs> I'm so encouraged though. Like he, he does look dialed in. I'm, I'm super excited for him and he, and he's got a chip on his shoulder. So, you know, you know, that's going to be something to watch. I have noticed that Dave is batting Jock second in the lineups. I don't know if that's a sneak preview to come no. or just because Muncie don't, is up. <laughs> don't do it, Dave. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, please. Please don't. All right, guys. Finally, moving on to the bench for the Dodgers. We got Kike Hernandez, Matt Beatty, AJ Pollock, Chris Taylor, Austin Barnes. I think those are the presumed bench guys at this point. Is there anyone else you think has an outside chance of cracking the roster? Um, if there's going to be one guy not listed, I think Zach McKinstry would be the guy. Uh, he's the prototype player that the Dodgers love. Uh, he can play all, all the positions. Uh, he's been hitting really well. Uh, he's a great two-strike approach. He hit that yesterday. He just got to hit opposite field with two strikes, shortened his swing. Um, so I think he's a guy, um, what may keep him off is the trio of Lux, Hernandez and Taylor, um, who are all similar type players in terms of position. Um, so we'll see, but I think McKinstry would be the next man up. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, I was going to say McKinstry too. I mean, he's another guy where during spring training, I think he was like leading the team in hits and, you know, he can play all over. So that's like the perfect you know, a perfect guy. Uh, a part of me also does want to see DJ Peters just because it's, it's again, kind of like Evan Rios. This guy can hit just homer after homer. The only problem is if he's hitting a home run, he's striking out. Yeah. So it's just a matter of, of what you want. But I think because also, I mean, the dude's like, what, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, he's an absolute freak. I just, for my entertainment value-wise, I'd love to see him make the cut just because he's kind of one of those guys where he's been in AAA now for kind of a while where he's good enough to break through, but the Dodgers just have no room for him. So maybe when it's like the 30-player roster, maybe we'll see him make it. But when he gets cut down to 26 after the first month, uh, I don't I don't think he'll be there but again I, I just like seeing dingers hit yeah. and I, probably behind edwin rios he probably hits him you know the furthest yeah i mean he's been a guy who's just too good for triple a but not good enough for major league baseball yeah. it's a little unfortunate not good enough for the dodgers roster he's definitely good enough for major league baseball yeah the dodgers have an embarrassment of riches i think that <laughs> the um the, the only question marks are going to be in the bullpen which pitchers are going to be there and not and we kind of went over a couple of those guys that are sort of on the bubble maybe not um but i think in terms of position players it's pretty much a lock for right now um zach mckintry maybe but i don't see him taking a roster spot away from you know matt Beatty or edwin rios but if i had my pick i'd like to see what cody thomas can do i mean before the shutdown happened I and mean, this dude was hitting these moonshots and it was awesome. And just the sound of the bat was just insane. Just that you, know, you get that, that sound of just like pure annihilation of a baseball um, that came from Cody Thomas. So I know he's a couple of years away, maybe one or two years away, but uh, that would be, that would be my pick. But again, I don't think that, that uh, any of these guys that we talked about are, are, are going to make the roster right away. 
I'm calling the Chris Taylor redemption season, and I'm going to go out on out on a limb here and say he has a better season than AJ Pollock. I mean, you, <laughs> you can bet a lot of money on that, Kevin. I mean, you, you know, you can risk it all. Chris Taylor could literally hit 315 this year, and I'd be like, okay, yeah, I, I, I'm not shocked. He could hit 200, and I'll be like, I'm not shocked either. Uh-huh. And he's like, we've seen him be so good and be so bad at the same time. Like, again, I, you could say he'll be the best hitter, and I'll be like, I could see it happening. You could say he's the worst hitter, and I could see that happening too. Uh-huh. I mean, this dude was leading off for us in the World Series in 2017. You know, what yeah, happened? He, he almost said went out of Dodger Stadium in the first at bat of the series, and they're like, "Wow, when I mean, this guy? I mean, he what? He was what? Co NLCS MVP? Also. Yep, with Turner. Yep. It's it's remarkable. I mean, who knows? But Chris Taylor Redemption Tour. I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> Worth noting that this is, as they're now calling it, the last dance, possibly for Justin Turner, Kike Hernandez, and Jock Peterson. We don't need to dive in on who's coming back. Let's move to the out of left field time. And I know David has been firing up his ideas all day long. So I'll start with you unless it's too good and you want to go last. Um, I mean, I'll go. Do you want me to go? Uh, I've, I've grappled with this one a, a bunch because uh, I have three, three of them actually. But I'm only going to do one this time. This is on cyclists, people who ride their bikes. And I just have one question for all of them. Who do you think you are? Like, seriously, who do you think you are? I live in, in, a, in a little small town in Northern California, uh, nearby San Francisco. And it's like the cycling capital of the world, it feels like. There's thousands of them, like, daily. And I just don't, I just don't understand it. Like, why do they think they own the road? Like, you don't. Like, there's a bike lane. But every single day when I'm driving, I find them in the, in the middle of the road holding me up. I, I got to go 10 miles an hour, or if I try to go around them, I may crash my car. So, yeah, it's a simple question. It's who do you think you are? Because you don't own the road. I, I get it. I, I don't hate cycling. Uh, you know, I'm, I like riding my bike, uh, but I'm, I'm considerate wow, of man. drivers. Haven't, so you heard the, just, haven't you heard share the road? Yeah, they need to share the road. I share the road just fine. They do not share the road. I mean, it's, how do you feel about how do you feel about their outfits? I, I'm not going to comment on the outfits. I, you're not going to catch me in a full cycling outfit. Um, but the, the bottom line here is they need to just move. I mean, there's a sense of entitlement, and it's 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 too much. And especially now with the quarantine, there's way more cyclers because everyone just wants to like get out and try to do something. And it's, it's gotten past the point of, okay, so this all needs to stop. Stay in the bike lane or walk or drive your car. That's it. I'm speechless. I did not <laughs> see this coming. That was very out of left field. <laughs> that's, the, that's the name of the segment, Kevin. <laughs> I've always embraced cyclists. I thought what they're doing is a good, good cause for the environment. Oh, no, it also, is. Just, just get, out, get out of the way. Just move. Very healthy. Move, your, move your butt to the right. All right. Anyone else want to go next? Yeah, I'll I'll take a I'll take a crack at this. So, um before I get into my out of left field, I just kind of wanted to bring this quote cuz it kind of fits in out of left field-ish even though it's still baseball. Um the Astros new-ish general manager James Click, he said uh, this quote to the Athletic. He said, "I really do think that whichever team has the fewest cases of coronavirus is going to win. And even though he's probably right because it means that, you know, your team is, uh, you know, more depleted than other teams, but I am going to say and take this the wrong way and say that he's basically saying that if the Astros don't win, then this, this whole season doesn't matter. And that whoever does win doesn't really matter anyway, because that team had the fewest amount of COVID cases. So screw the Astros. I'm taking it the wrong way because I can't stand in them. <laughs> and they're getting away with this season without having any fans there. So I, I don't really care. But the one thing I did want to say on top of all of this, and this is, this is more of my out of love field comment, which is, you know, and I come from the world of uh, news broadcasting and sport, and uh, and also sports journalism. But my, my more of my background is in uh, TV news reporting, and I just don't like the way in which 
sports reporters are kind of given a pass for uh, putting news out there. Like, I, I just feel like they're just, they're, everyone's just kind of okay with like Ken Rosenthal or Buster Olney or John Heyman just kind of tweeting things out that they think or that they hear. It's sort of rumor. They don't really do a lot of double checking or double sourcing. And, you know, Ken Rosenthal is a little more respectable in that sense, but there are a lot of guys out there and it's fine for the trade deadline. Like, okay, fine. If you want to, you know, throw some rumors out there of who's going to get traded and whatnot. And that, that's all fun and games. But when it gets down to like all of the players, uh, the players association and the owners that whole debacle of everything being aired out in the open, a lot of stuff wasn't true. The players association had to come and say, no, this didn't happen, blah, 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 blah. So I just feel like there needs to be more accountability for sports reporters. They need to go, they need to be under the same standards as news reporters and we got to stop reporting uh, rumors. I agree with you. This, there's just a lot of, false reports they get thrown out there. And then when they try to retract their statements, they just kind of look like a fool. Yeah. yeah and then also the, the whole Johnny. Mookie Betts, I was going to say the whole Mookie oh Betts trade saga, that was a whole saga because of the reporters just trying to one-up each other. That was ridiculous. Yeah. And, and also, and also that, like, um, go ahead. And, and one more thing. <laughs> I don't want to see any more tweets of like Ken Rosenthal saying like, Oh, John Heyman had this one first. It's like, dude, <laughs> do your own reporting. No one cares who had it first. Just, just all that matters is that you got it right. Yeah. And it's also important to note that John Heyman and Scott Boris are, are very close. <laughs> uh, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if Scott Boris has sent multiple tweets from John Heyman's phone directly. <laughs> so, it, you know, I, oh, I that's a rumor we should spread. I like Heyman. I think he's, you know, a nice guy. I think he's a decent reporter. Uh, but I mean, that's something you're talking about. That I mean, that that kind of stuff is why that happens. I like that conspiracy theory. If it if it has a typo, it's Heyman. If it doesn't have a typo, it's definitely Scott Boris. <laughs> yeah, but like, no, I've I've absolutely tweeted at Heyman. Like, if this is Scott, blink twice or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But before I get to my rant, I just want to bring up another Astros thing just because I hate him, and I saw this on Twitter. I don't know who, who was talking, but he was interviewed, and he said, like, his, his screensaver is yeah, this. It was coach. the pitching coach. The, the, oh, the pitching coach. The, it's the Zach Greinke pitch on Juan Soto where it was a 2-1 pitch. And it was clearly, clearly a strike. It was almost right down the middle, and the M called it a ball. So instead of it being a 2-2 count, it became a 3-1 count. And he says, if the M just calls that a strike, we win the game because – we still get we, we still get Juan Soto. We still get out of the inning. And by the way, you know we're going to bring in Garrett Cole. And I'm like, I mean, you're up by one run with three innings to go. All this stuff, and I don't think by one pitch it made that much of a difference. And I'm like, are you really complaining about this? Again, I, I get that it was a strike, but are, are you really saying you lost the World Series because of this one pitch when you guys had the lead in the game? So I mean, the Astros just find more reasons for us to hate them. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive. I'm really dreading having to talk about them in a couple of weeks. I'm sure you're, you guys think differently, but I'm just over them at this point. Yeah, yeah and, and what does it say <laughs> about Brent Strom that his screen that is his screensaver on his phone and not the World Series title in 2017? Not a right. picture of him with That's his a ring, good point. Not a picture with a trophy. I mean, like, maybe you don't value that just as much as we don't. Maybe you're a little insecure about that title too, that you need to put a picture of a – obscure ball called by a baseball umpire that they miss calls all every inning of every game. Right. Because that world series had they won it last year would have been the first legitimate one. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Exactly. Right. I mean, he's just defensive. He's, I mean, get a grip Brent. So yeah, I, I hate the Astros. Hopefully they allow fans in the stadium for next year. So I can go lose my voice booing them. But uh, my, my one rant, and I was just talking about this the other day with my, my dad, when you guys fly in an airplane, it's all fine and dandy. But the second you land and that bell goes off and every single person on the flight stands up. That was literally they, one of mine. That was they, one of my they, three. Let's go. They, you, you can't do anything. They're trying to get your luggage and you stand there for five to 10 minutes, all crowded up, not moving. Whereas me, I'm chilling in my seat. I'm relaxed and everything. I, I just don't understand. Like, you're not going anywhere. I get if you're, like, in the first or second row. But for me, like, I always like to sit in the last row. Just, I don't know, I just like doing that. But just seeing everyone gets up, and you're just standing there in the aisle All right. for five to ten minutes. And I'm like, why? 
Well, I, just sit down, and then when, when your time comes, get up, get your luggage, and get off the plane. I, I just don't get it. I've never understood yep. the, that, that whole thing. Yep. I'll speak for the other side then, because I feel like I'm There being, is no other side. I'm being unintentionally called out here. One where to two are you hour going, flight. Kevin? Tell, please tell me where you're going. Stretching his, stretching his legs. One to two hour flight. I totally feel you. What's the point? You were hardly on the plane. But when it's those six hours or longer, God, when you finally land, you just want to stand up. You get a sigh of relief. Well, go, to, go to the bathroom or just do a little walk down the aisle a few hours in. Yeah. Get those legs going. <laughs> See, the problem is if you have a window seat, you feel so True. awkward bugging someone mid-flight, especially no. if they're asleep. No, so. absolutely not. You're in the window seat. If you need to get up, you, you, you get up. That's a, that's, if you're in the aisle, which is clearly the better seat, you have an obligation to be annoyed by people but, if they need to get up. That's how but, I feel. But when I'm, I'm like, standing if up, I'm, if I'm, I'm not in the bugging window anyone. Seat, go ahead. Sorry, Kev. When I'm standing <laughs> up, I'm not bugging anyone. I'm not in anyone's way. I'm just waiting for the person in front of me to finally move. I want to stretch my legs. It's just, a, it's just that's all I got to say. That's why I never, I never picked the, the window seat because I don't mind getting up. Like if I had to stand up throughout a flight, whatever, to let people go. But like, I, I, I do hate asking people to move, especially when they're like knocked out of sleep. <laughs> yeah. That's always the worst. Oh, I don't mind at all. I'll just climb over them. <laughs> Dude, like you're on a, this isn't your plane. Like I, I exist as well. Like if I have to move, I'm going to move. <laughs> like, I don't know why y'all are so hesitant. Like, uh, I don't know. We seat. care about other people, David. Oh, I do too. But like, you got the good seat. So now, if I need to get up, you're gonna you're gonna get up too. No, I don't I mind will. moving. That's why I have the aisle seat. I don't care. I will admit. I think like last year, I was on a flight from Eugene, Oregon, back here to LA, and it was like two and a half hours. It was literally just a two. It was just a two seat row. But the guy to my right, because I had the window, he was knocked out, and I was trying to kind of like nudge him. This guy wasn't doing anything. I had to, I had to take a number one so bad, but I held it in the entire flight because I did oh, no. feel I did feel guilty having to wake this guy up who was just knocked out. So I had a whole. What if he was do- dead? Oh well, <laughs> then you'd feel really you bad. Do I get like? Gotta, a, do I get my flight comp then? <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. That's Last really but not funny least. I bring that up though. That was literally on my list. I'm looking at it right now. I literally wrote people who stand up immediately when the plane lands. What was the third? What was the third thing? Just, just give us the the title. No, no, no. Third one. You're gonna have to tune in and incline next week. Nice. Okay. Last but not least, they teach you math in school. They teach you history. They teach you science. But what they don't teach you is grocery store etiquette. And what I mean by that is okay. I'm intrigued. <laughs> what I mean by that is some people go to the grocery store and they have this mentality like they own the place. You go down an aisle, aisle six, their shopping cart is just in the middle and they leave their shopping cart unattended. They're somewhere else on the other side of the store, on the other side of the aisle. These stores are strategically designed so that they can fit two shopping carts going opposite directions. And yet somehow Susie Jane is over there gossiping with her friend buy the milk in my way, completely blocking the cheese door or ice cream freezer door. People need to be more self-aware that there are other people grocery shopping, shopping in these stores. Stop hogging up the place, especially right now in these times. I don't want to be near anyone. If you don't need an item, an item please just get out of my way. Also, okay, wear now, a mask. F- follow-up question. Do you ask them to move if they're in your way? <laughs> no. So what I have to do is I literally will go down the other aisle next to it, walk up oh the aisle. Oh, my God. That's such a beta move. <laughs> That's some Dave Roberts stuff right there, dude. You, okay. Yeah. You got, you, first of all, you need to just ask them. Second of all, just give them a little love. T- give their cart a little love. T- yeah. Give them a little ram. Just show them what's up. Be like, yo, you're in the aisle. Like, this isn't your aisle. Like, it's not your plane either. <laughs> You're too nice to these people. They need to learn. <laughs> but yeah, just a lot of people in my yeah. way these days. All right. That concludes today's Out of Left Field segment. <laughs> so we can move that. to the closing thoughts. I'll start with Blake. How would you like to round out today's show? What else is on your mind? Baseball, basketball? Uh, I mean, I, 
I, I'm, I'm grateful that baseball is coming back in a week. I'm grateful that the NBA is coming back in two weeks. Now, for me, as long as I can get college football back, that is my number one priority. I, I, live, I live and die with college football. Uh, it seems like each day just it's getting further and further away from actually happening. So if they can make the NBA, the MLB happen, uh, try and make a way for college football to happen. Just because if I don't have that on Saturdays is for the next ASU four your months, team? ASU is my team. I mean, um, it used to be it used to be USC, but then very, after going there, I, I very sorry, Brock Osweiler is an alum. <laughs> so are we. So are we. The Brock, but uh, <laughs> you know, kidding. So I, I need college football back. So hopefully they can they can get that back, and I'll be a happy guy. As if 2020 wasn't bad enough, if they take college football away from me, that's just going to be detrimental. So whatever, you, whoever runs college football, if you're listening, make sure we uh, get it back. Thanks. <laughs> Mark Emmert. All right. There you go. What about Please, you, Jake? Um, I'm, I'm super excited for baseball to come back. I've loved watching these intra-squad games. They're weird. They're quirky. It's like, you know, they piped in some weird artificial sound uh, yesterday. They had the organ going and DJ Severe, and they had uh, Todd Lates, the PA guy. I mean, it's just weird. And the cardboard cutout thing is weird. But it's, but it's also awesome at the same time because it means we're getting to watch some real baseball, real competition. I'm looking forward to the season. And one other note I just want to say while – we were talking about Kenley Jansen and sort of his, um, you know, perseverance throughout everything that he's gone through is like, you know, I was listening to, to Mark Pryor on the Joe and Oral podcast and he's a real soft spoken guy, but you know, he, he, he brought up the fact, well, Joe actually brought it up, but the fact that after the 2006 season, Mark Pryor didn't play another, you know, uh, a game in, in the majors, but he tried for six and a half more years to try to get back to the majors after going through all of these injuries. And it, it's just a remarkable thing. And I just want to throw that out there. I love baseball players that love the game. Doesn't matter what level it is. Cause he ended up playing independent ball in 2010. Um, so it's just, it's just cool to see those things happen. And I'm really happy for, uh, for Kenley Jansen coming back. Yeah. All right, David. Um, yeah, uh, we need baseball back. I mean, we need sports back. Uh, this has been a rough few months in many, many ways. Uh, and now we're a week away from baseball being back, Dodgers being back. A week after that, we get the NBA back. Uh, I'd love college sports to come back too, uh, so I can see my beloved Michigan Wolverines lose to Ohio State again. Bingo. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess my main takeaway from this is if you're on a plane or at the grocery store and someone's in your way, just tell them to move. Assert yourself and just be like, hey, I need to use the restroom. Can you please move? Or, hey, I need to get some cheese. Can you move your cart, please? And if they don't respond, then just give them a little tap with your cart on their cart. Or if you're on a plane, just tap them and be like, hey, dude, need to get by. Um, uh, Follow-up question just real quick. Do you honk at cyclists on the road? Um. I have honked at cyclists. It's not you can't, you can't give them a love tap because you could kill them. Exactly. So it's a very, it's a very, there's, no, there's not a, a right way to deal with them. Um, but, you know, if there's a cyclist trailing like in front of me and I have to trail them for like five, 10 minutes, I'll absolutely give them a, a death stare when I pass them. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm just, you know, excited for sports. We need this. Uh, so let's hope everything goes well. Yeah, 100%. I learned a lot of fascinating stuff today. Yeah. I will say some good takeaways. Make sure to follow Dodgers Lowdown on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Follow Blake Harris, and you can find him on Twitter at Blake Harris TBLA and read his content because he has a lot of good stuff as well. And just to preview next week, we're going to break down the rest of the NL West and the AL West and give some predictions. So that'll be a very informative show as well as any follow-up Dodgers news, rumors, all that fun stuff. So make sure to tune in next week, and we appreciate you guys listening today. And we are out.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.